Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome everyone to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am your host for today's show and I am joined today um, by a quickly forming new friend, um, Don Manning. He is one of the founders of a ministry called Crazy Cool Family. And he, we have kindred spirits, uh, same passions, everything. Um, so I am super excited for all of you to meet him. So Don, thank you so much for being here. Amen on the kindred spirits. Love the work you guys are doing. No heart. In fact, you know, when we started our ministry, the first time we ever taught it, we called it Heart Connected Family. There you go. We just believe that, you know, we live from our hearts. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Love to uh, visit with your audience. Yeah. And so I think, too, also what I mean just about, you know, our passions, you and I, both of the foundations of our ministries, we are both all about family mm-hmm. and uh, just f- believing at our core that God created family and he created it to thrive. And and really a lot of the attack of the enemy is often to dismantle that family unit. So um, we just both feel, I, I mean, I, I hope I'm not speaking for you. But... Oh, no, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I've even... Just lately, um, I've been, um, I'll try to make this brief because it's really a passion. I've been just even looking at the word lately. You know, when they asked Jesus what was most important in Matthew 22, he said, of course, there's love. He said, basically, what's the most important commandment? He said, no, I'm going to give you two. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Everybody knows that. And he said, but what he he said, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. In other words, let's do the second one. And I'm really, I call this the second focus because our first focus is discipleship. How do we learn to love God? It's through discipleship. Well, he said the second's like it. We learn to love our neighbor. Well, that that's, we think of neighbor, we think of it as, as, a, as a generic term, but really our most important neighbors are family. Absolutely. And so we have to learn. To, and just like we learn to love God, that's what the church does best. It does discipleship. That discipleship, Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples. He, he, that's very, very important. But he also says the second thing is we learn to love others. Yeah. Well, it is really learning to love others. You know, 
discipleships, we, we can't just love God. We don't know how to love God. The Bible shows us how to love God. And he shows us how to connect with him and how to make him the make him the main thing. Well, it also shows us how to love our family, how to love others as we love ourselves. And that's where you and I have the passion that if the church does a great job of discipleship, it doesn't do a great job of teaching parenting. Yes. It doesn't do a great job of teaching us how to do relationships. Yeah. And that's what we do at Crazy Cool Family. That's my passion. That's my wife and I's passion, Suzanne, that we have this passion for wanting to teach parents how to do relationships and teach them how to do all the relationships in their home. Because if we, if a parent learns to do that, and that's what, you know, the parent will have a better chance of having a successful family. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. We were going through this stuff with some friends of ours and, uh, or some younger friends of ours. And one of the dads goes, you know what? If, if, if everyone went through this curriculum, everyone would be more successful as a parent. Yeah, you get it, dude. I mean, it's funny. He he was a guy I knew that he'd been, we've been talking to him for everybody. He finally went through some of our material and he's like, this is amazing. This really changes my perspective. And I'm like, okay, I wish you would have done this five years ago, but (laughs) welcome aboard, you know? (laughs) I know. Right. And so, you know, your, um, your passion is, you know, all about parenting and equipping parents and, you have had a ton of practice at it <laughs> because you have seven children. Yes. When I, when we, I we saw that. Out, we figured out what caused that and then we stopped. But, uh. right? <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw that um, in your bio, I was like, I have got to talk to this guy because he has had a ton of practice and experience and wisdom. So I just, before we really kind of jump into yeah you know, crazy cool family and everything that has, um, you know, all the curriculum and materials that come out of that, like want to learn more just about you and your family and why you had seven kids. Well, the reason is because my wife always wanted a big family, but she didn't really tell me about it. So, <laughs> um, Sneaky so, little devil. Love Suzanne is awesome. Um, uh, and, and, um, really what happened with us is, um, we got involved in a young married age. So we got married and my wife actually brought our oldest daughter to the marriage. So we are in effect, a little bit of a blended family. Um, she is uh, my, my oldest daughter, Molly was two when Suzanne and I got married. Then we had three girls and then three boys. Wow. So we, so we, we did, we have four girls and then we flipped the gender and we have three boys at the end. So they go from 33 to 17. I have a junior in high school still, but I have five grandbabies. So we are all over the map with respect to kids and grandkids. And so um, crazy cool family, if I'm, if I, I don't want to misspeak here, was really just birthed out of your experience as a family raising seven children. And you kind of, you and your wife kind of um, took what the Lord gave you and showed you through your own family and created um, this crazy cool family ministry. We call it, you know, we, we call it crazy cool family. One, that's always been my pet name for our family. Uh, you know, wow, this is a crazy cool experience we have going on here. But crazy because the uh, the Lord's ways are crazy. They mm-hmm. really are different. 
you know, our pastor sometimes talks about opposite theology is that whatever we feel is usually the opposite of the way we should act. If we feel angry, we're supposed to be forgiving. If we, you know, feel selfish, we're supposed to be generous, you know, those type of things. And so it really is crazy when you think the way we teach parenting is pretty crazy compared to the world. It is it is relational. It is building culture. It's building the inside. It's not worrying so much about what technology is going to do to us and what the world is going to do to us, because if we're equipped on the inside, we can tackle anything on the outside. That's what yeah. Jesus teaches us. And that's what we teach. So crazy. That's what it means. It's just crazy. Some people would say, I don't want a crazy family. I'm like, you want a crazy family the way God's crazy, you know? And so, um, but the cool is also that um, when your family works well it's other than salvation it's the coolest thing that ever happens because yeah. and when it doesn't work well it is crazy uncool i mean it is really bad when when you know relationships are 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 i call them the dis they're they're disjointed they're disappointing they're you know they're dysfunctional all those dis words that are in relationships that you know when it and really that's what started is um we saw we we kept studying parents and families that were being successful and successful meaning there was great connections their kids loved the lord they were making wise decisions they and not that they were valedictorians or scholarship athletes or whatever that might come but it wasn't what our focus was and we just saw that it was connection was key yeah and, so we started to go down that path of, you know, we want to connect with our kids. And we just saw that it worked. Um, and and when you have four teenage daughters that are confident and love the Lord, people start asking the same questions we were asking others. Uh, OK, what are you doing? What's happening? You know, I, I, you know, we, we got so much ministry, so many ministry opportunities just because of our kids. Yeah. And um, and we were like I said, we've been involved in the same local church for 30 years. We we did, and this is what I encourage people to do when they have these big grand visions. I'm like, what are you doing at your local church? Yeah. And you know, and so we just started teaching parents that were a little bit younger than us what we learned. That was all that it, you know. Just like you were saying, that's really what happened. And then uh, out of that, the Lord birthed a book ministry, a podcast, you know, all the things that we do today and reach, you know, thousands of families, just like you guys are doing, because we just, we just shared, we felt like the Lord gave us a revelation that was, um, and, um, and then we just, and it, basically he just said, Hey, I've given you a gift to family, go, go share it with others. And, and we're, we're teachers at heart. So what we really focus on is just honing the message where it's simple to understand and easy. It, parenting is not easy to learn. Yeah. Marriage is not easy to learn. So one of the things I said, when we were starting to see our family become successful and started to see some of these things, saying, I wish someone would write me a guidebook. I wish somebody would give me a pathway and say, this is how to do it. I, Cause I, everything was so fragmented. I said, I wish somebody would give me this plan of action and I knew it had to be different for every family because every family is different, but yet there's certain concepts that you can learn. And that's what we try to do with Crazy Cool Family is give you this, this guide, if you will, this to connect with your kids and connect them to God. Yeah. And so you kind of talk, well, it, first of all, it's just so funny listening to you because it's like, you know, 
you're you're saying the same things that No Heart Left Behind is all about, just about relationships and understanding your kids and their heart and all that kind of stuff, but like using different language. So right. it's just so neat. And one of um I've actually had the opportunity to read some of your book. And one of the things I wanted to have you talk about was just that foundational path to a crazy cool family. Like you you lay out this very um user-friendly, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, model um, in your book that has, it, it's like a picture of a house. I'm trying to describe right. it here yes. for our it's listeners. House. Yeah. Um, and at the top of that, the very top of that house, you talk about um, pursuing God. And then uh, in the middle of that is building relationships and creating culture. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about those pieces of, you know, the foundational path for oh experiencing everything we've been describing. I think um, what we did, I wanted to be able to teach family in five minutes or five years. Mm -hmm. That's really both of them are important, you know, because in one sense, you you need to learn a vision, a vision. If you can't talk about a vision in five minutes, then the, then the vision's too, it's not clear. And so, uh, but as we know, like with discipleship, we don't learn to be a disciple in a weekend. We learn to be a disciple over the years of applying and then practicing things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and the same thing happens, but yeah, we can learn. I can teach people how to be a disciple in five minutes too. You know, we love God with all our heart. Well, okay. What does that look like though? And how do you put that? So we, we really, we spent many, many years, we spent 20 years honing this curriculum, if you will, into those three commitments pursue God, build relationships, create culture, six words that'll change your family. And, and really what it means is in a nutshell is um, pursue God there. There, if you go down to the build relationships, there's five types of relationships in your home. There's the parent to God relationship. There's marriage, parent to kid, kid to kid, kid to God. And every family has that, unless there's a single parent or whatever. I mean, every family has those relationships in their home. Well, uh, the most important of those relationships, all we do is we take those five relationships that are in the build relationships uh, teaching, and we take that one relationship, our relationship to God, and we elevate it because the best fathers and mothers are first sons and daughters of the king. You will only be as good of parent as you are a believer. If you're an angry person, you're going to be an angry father. Mm. you're a generous person you're going to if you're a generous person you're going to be a generous father or mother and so we elevate the the relationship with god to realize just same way jesus did he said what's the most important thing we love the lord our god with all our heart soul and mind but then we we focus the middle of the house on building the relationships and we teach parents specifics about building the relationships in their home how do you build that parent to kid relationship how do you build that marriage? Because so go those lines. And we actually draw it in the middle of that house is, is where we connect all those five relationships. And we call that our family dashboard, because it's literally like what we found was, is that we parented according to the quality of those relationships. Wow, these mm. kids are fighting. Why? Mm. Wow, our kids, our kids are a little down. Why? Yeah. Wow, their belief system is not jiving with the scripture why you know what can we do what what what's what's in there they're depressed a little why you know our marriage is how do we get on the same team together and so we teach parents how to look at each one of those relationships because if my kid loves jesus 
they're the easiest kid in the world to raise. Yeah. If our marriage is unified, we're going to give a big, it's going to have a huge positive influence on our family. Yeah. If I know my kid, then I'm going to parent them better. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm connected, if they trust me, they're going to allow themselves to be parented better. So we spend a lot of time on that family dashboard in the middle about building relationships. Yeah. And so you also talk about like when is being uh, being able to like recognize when those, you know, because they're represented by arrows, you know, those relationships yeah. when those are are weak or, you know, kind of like you were describing. So what is your encouragement to parents? Like when you do see that maybe those sibling to sibling relationships are, um, you know, struggling or our marriage is struggling. And I know we don't have time to go into all of it in our 40 ish minute podcast, but what is your encouragement when parents recognize some of those weak connections, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. And so what that's where the third element comes in is culture is so so culture think about culture being the how when we teach the relationships, it's kind of like the what it's the goal you want those relationships to be strong. Well, how do you do that? Well, for example, let's say that your child is struggling, you know, they're down, they're, they're not very responsive, you know, Typical parent might come in and lecture. Why aren't you being, you know, come on, get yourself together. Why are you making bad grades? You know, you're, you're, you're dumb or whatever, you know, we, and and you've got to get your act together or whatever, you know, get with the program. Well, okay. That's one way to do it. What if you came in and ask them questions? Mm. Hey, you know, James 119 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Okay, that's that's a relationship gold right there, James. I mean, and so you come in and you go. And so what we would teach in the culture section is to create a safe haven in your home. That's one of our culture pillars. We would say, hey, what's going on? You might get crickets back. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I would love to hear more about this. And but you're going to have to tell me. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to keep pursuing you. Why? Because I love you. And I want to see what's going on here. And and whenever you're ready, uh, I'd love to visit with you. Well, over time, maybe you get that breakthrough and you find out that they're being bullied at school. Yeah. They don't go to school because there's somebody there or maybe they, they're getting teased at school or something like that. Well, now it's not the grades that are the issue. It's right. It's the self-image. And, the, and, you know, so now we're starting to get to the core of the issue. So now we can start to say, hey, now let me let me speak life back into it. You know what? I know that what those kids say to you is one way you can believe that. You know what I believe? I believe you were created by God in his image. Mm. I believe that God loves you unconditionally. I believe that God, and I believe that the creator of the universe wants you to feel special. Mm. And, you know, so my point is, is that we can, it, it really is about, so the answer to relationship problems is, you know, let's say two siblings are fighting. Okay. You go to the younger sibling and you say, hey, what's going on? Well, he's so mean to me. Okay, why do you think he's mean to you? Well, because I steal stuff from his room. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) And so what would you, would you like it if somebody stole stuff from your room? You know, and, and do you want your older sibling to like you? Yeah. What if we can teach you to not be a brat? 
Mm-hmm. What, what if we can teach you how to go in there and ask and maybe even, you know, um, and, and play in a way that is, you know, not trying to get your way all the time. You know, when we start to learn how to do relationships and how to build that culture in our home, um, you know, let's say that you got one sibling that's an athlete and one sibling that's artistic. Yeah. And the one sibling that's an athlete is always, oh, you're just such a baby. You know, you don't do it. You don't ever do anything or whatever. What if we teach them to celebrate the way their sibling is? Hey, what if you went to your sibling and said, wow, that picture's amazing. I really, you know, you're an awesome artist. Now you're going to speak life into them. You see what I'm saying is, I mean, it's all, it's really just a different way. So many parents are so concerned about control and telling their kids what to do and and they create an, an atmosphere many times unintentionally of yeah. where the child doesn't feel safe they they don't feel like they they're enough they don't feel like they can speak freely they don't feel and, and they and they're not empowered and so we teach parents how to figure out what's going on in those relationships so they can build their kids up they can build their spouse up they can connect at a deeper level and it's just plain fun you know once you start to really and i'm sure you realize this with your boys that when we're connected with our kids you know in this case like you have you have three boys and i my the last three are boys it's so much fun when we're connected with them yeah. and, and the relationships you know there's not the tension yeah and you're you, you know them it's like you know, you, you just know who they are, you know, what's in their hearts. And, mm-hmm. you, and even if it's even if it's struggling, you know, like, you know, your 10 year old, 12 year old, they're probably starting to ask questions about their faith. Yeah. You know, they're, they're starting to go, hey, is God real? You know, is this, you know, and we say that's in many, so many times parents freak out about that because they're like, oh, my goodness, my kid's not going to believe. Well, yeah. What if it helps them? What if you flip it and you go, the questions are good because it's going to help them to own their faith? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, those are the things that I, I'm answering your question eight different ways. I get yeah, it. no. I mean, those are the things that we teach in order to solve the relationship problem. Yeah. And it's so good. What I love it because we talk a lot about this too is just creating, we call it, you know, creating the culture of Christ in your home. And, you know, that exactly like the same things that you're saying is just um, looking at their heart and creating a space where they do feel safe and that the home is a place they run to because the world goes out and beats them up. Right. But that, you know, as parents, it's our job to create a culture where our kids feel safe, where we're discipling them. And I do agree with you that a lot of times I think what gets in the way is that we're like, it's like fear and control as opposed to, um, you know, be having the mindset of influence and culture and knowing that, you know, all of these things and questions and issues are all part of their story that God is going to use for his purposes and just having that peace of mind. And again, like that, what you said, going back to that, that's determined by my connection to the Lord, because if I don't have the peace from him and that relationship isn't strong, then I'm definitely not going to pass that down to my kids. So, I mean, one of the, I think I just was making a note here that what you said, but it's, I think two things are um, really, um, hurtful for parents and therefore hurtful for families 
it, and you just said it was fear. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to add to it is, is embarrassment. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. We are so, uh, we are so fearful that our kids aren't going to turn out well and that others are going to see it. Yeah. That we, we react in certain ways that actually, and what actually happens is unknowingly, unknowingly, we actually facilitate the very things that we think are going to happen mm. without fear and embarrassment. The parents actually facilitate in their kids, the very thing that they're fearful of and the very thing that they're going to be embarrassed from. Yeah, absolutely. And so how do you flip that? Well, you flip it by overcoming your fear and, 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 and being big enough to say that, you know, I am, you know, let's take, for example, a kid is striking out at the plate. Okay. So the parent is, is, is fearful. They're going to strike out once, once their kid not to strike out mm-hmm. and is embarrassed because their kids striking out and other kids are hitting the ball. So what does the parent do? He yells at the kid. Yeah. And he says, well, you know, you've got to swing your bat better. You've got to, you know, turn your hips. You got to get your head. And he's just over and over and over and over, just pounding this instruction into him with. He he doesn't want to hurt the kid. He wants to help the kid hit the ball. Yeah. However, what he's doing is he's creating fear in the kid. Mm -hmm. His fear is creating fear in the kid. Well, what happens when a kid is fearful and they're not relaxed at the plate? They're not going to hit the baseball. Yeah. And so, you know, therefore, I mean, that's just a really simple example, but we do yeah. that as parents, we do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, that play, I, I can think of, you know, things off the top of my head, just like scenarios where we're just, we're concerned of what their behavior is going to portray. And so then we get embarrassed. And like you said, then we just pop off because we're, you know, more concerned about that. So you had talked about, you know, safety being a big um, pillar or factor in terms of creating culture? Are there, what are some of the other factors that you feel like are important for creating that culture where, you know, relationships can thrive? Yeah, we have um, in our pillars of culture, we have um, one of them that I think everybody relates to is to, but it, but it takes a little while is we have, I always say five words, it'll change your life. And that is to encourage extravagantly and correct carefully. Mm, and most parents gravitate towards the correct part of that first. We have to kind of go through, even though that's one of the reasons we say encourage extravagantly first, because we want it to be the first priority. But but, but that, what that means is, is, you know, safe haven is how we listen. Mm. Encouragement is how we speak. Yeah. And, and so um, most parents are overly critical and under encouraging. For some reason, we think that if we encourage too much, they're going to get a big head and yeah. they're going to that somehow it's going to um, uh, make them think that they're better than they are or something like that. But in reality, um, we can't over encourage. No, <laughs> we tell parents, Suzanne does, especially she says we, we need to be our child's biggest cheerleader because the world's not going to be their cheerleader. Absolutely. You know, I love what you said about um, the world, what you just said about the world and coming home. You know, one of the things we say in our deal is that what we do is when they come in, we wash the world off of them so we can send them back out refreshed. Mm. Oh, I love that. If you think about how, you know, what home, again, that's the culture of your home for so for so many kids. And again, unintentionally, 
parents make home the worst place the kid comes to. Yeah. Because it's where they're going to get criticized the most. It's where they're going to be yelled at, lectured at. It's the it's the most unsafe environment they come to. They go to school, they're with their buddies, and, and everything is much better because there's more acceptance. There. Why do kids gravitate to wrong friends? Because they accept them. Yeah. Because they're going to go to the people that will say, you know, hey, you're okay. And so um, not that the parent needs to always say they're okay. That's not it. But it's more about a, it's a mindset of when my child comes in, I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to be there. I'm going to correct them carefully. I'm going to yeah. be going to watch it. I'm going to watch my anger. I'm going to do the things, you know, um, I was just doing a talk the other day and I just said, Hey, what if you say, what if every time you walk into a room, the first thing you say is positive. Yeah. That one little principle, I mean, you know, my, our pastor says that whoever brings hope into a room has the most influence. Wow. And so what if you are the guy that brings encouragement into the room? You might correct later, but yeah. how many times does the dad come in and he's just all over everybody or the mom comes in and she just, you know, nothing is right and nobody's looking out for her and all that. And man, it just creates really tough environments in our home. Absolutely. So I guess my next question would be kind of as we get to like the back half of the podcast here is I'm sure <laughs> um, there are parents out there listening that maybe are listening to what you're saying and recognizing that, you know, maybe they haven't created the best culture in their home. Um, you know, there's a lot of wounds and hurts that have a kind of accumulated over the years, whether it's with the parents or with the spouse, what would your encouragement to those families or those parents be in terms of being like thinking, Oh, I've just, I've messed this up too well, much. Yeah. You know, what, where do you start to try to change that culture? It's a great question. And we get it a lot. And, and, um, the, uh, the, the first thing I think that, um, the, the first thing is really just to recognize it and and to to want to be different um and to be willing to learn and willing to change you know so that that's really what starts is uh you know if, if somebody's going to lose weight the first thing they're going to do is they're going to say you know what i'm overweight i don't want to be overweight anymore i want to be you know i weigh I just talked to a guy a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's lost 80 pounds. And I said, what'd you do? He said, I just, I decided that I didn't want to weigh 80 pounds more than I do today. And I just changed it. And I went through this program and changed the way my eating habits went and all this stuff. Well, that's exactly what parents, you know, that's what starts. And you know what? He didn't lose 80 pounds in a week. He lost it over several months. And And one of the things I tell parents a lot is, is that, you know, once you start down the path, you've been going this way for years it's going to take a while to change. Yeah. But, but the cool deal is, is your kids are super resilient and they really do want your approval and they really do want to see the success of the family. So at any age, at any part of the family, there is hope for recovery. Yeah. And so what, what we encourage the parents to do first is, is just to um, really to flip those first two pillars and to, Try to become more encouraging and more listening. Mm. And, and, and really what happens is when you start becoming, when you start to become encouraging, your kids will think you're on drugs. 
<laughs> and they're like, who in the world are this is a new person? Did you, you know what? What did the doctor give you that changed? Because you know, many parents have haven't complimented their kids in months. And so the first thing is just easy to do. It's not easy, but I mean, it, it actually feels awkward when I was changing. I, and I tell parents all the time, I wish you could see me when I was a five-year parent. You would be like, how in the world did you ever learn how to do this? Because yeah. you're an idiot then, you know? Right. And so, but so any, I always say, if, if, if anybody, you know, if, if I can learn, anybody can learn because I was with the best intentions, I controlled my kids a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and my daughters and I could see that I was pushing them away. And so, so when I started to become encouraging, when I started to see it and change, it felt super awkward. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, I would feel like I was being um, dis um, uh, um, like disingenuous. Yes. That's what yeah. I, yeah, this, mm-hmm. I, that it wasn't real, but it was, but I just didn't know how to do it. It's like, you know, you, it's like starting a new, um, you know, task or whatever. And then, the other thing is just um, asking questions, hmm. you know, and what we call that is just so, so being encouraging and asking inquisitive questions, um, <clears throat> not in, uh, accusatory questions, right? inquisitive questions, you know, and, and keeping on asking those questions. Well, and open-ended questions of, well, what do you think about that? Yeah. That make you feel. You know, what, uh, when that happened, what did you want to do? I wanted mm-hmm. to hit him. Oh, I get it. You know, I, <laughs> I would have wanted to hit him too. Yeah. You know, did you hit him? You know, no. Okay. That's good. You know yeah. I mean? You can just having engaging, treating them like my wife's mom used to say, we just need to treat our kids like little people. Mm. And, you know, now, when you see so often, you know, th- those are the things that parents can change immediately where, you know, you see it where, you know, let's say, for example, I, I had a three-year-old grandson here, you know, and, and so we were talking, we're just having the great conversation and he comes in and yells and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? I'm on a podcast. Can't you see I'm trying to talk to Alicia here? You know, I mean, it's like, he didn't know that. I mean, yeah. he's just having fun as a three-year-old, but, you know, but immediately we go from this engaging conversation with Alicia as a friend and everything to talking down and harshly to our three-year-old yeah those are things that can change really quickly yeah yeah that's such good stuff you know I think about um you know the thing that resonated with me that you said was just the that it's change over time and I can remember you know my mom um you know the story of this ministry which I've shared many times is just all about the ways that, you know, we were one of those broken families with, you know, a terrible culture in our home. The relationships were not strong in any way, shape or form. And my mom was the first in my family to come to know the Lord. And just, I can remember I was about 13. um, Just the changes that I, you know, I saw in her were very impactful. And so I think, you know, even just my family is a testimony to what you're saying is that it's never hopeless change in her that you saw that was impactful. Like what is a change? I think one of the biggest things was that the word that you said was harshness. Like there was not, you know, I grew up in a very performance-based home where love felt very earned. And, you know, as long as you were doing the right things and all that kind of stuff, you were, um, you were loved, but when, when you fell short or you messed up, 
it felt very much like love was withheld and there was a harshness and, and just a lot of criticizing. Um, so I was resonating with everything you were saying. And I think the first thing that I noticed about my mom was that change. Now it didn't, doesn't mean that, you know, it was like boom overnight, all of a sudden she was this new person, but those little things that she did differently that when I did mess up, you know, reassuring me that it was okay. And that, you know, let's talk about it. Just all of those things were, was the start of what I saw different in her. And obviously as, you know, we went through counseling and, and other things, um, more and more change took place, you know, but as you said, as a whole, like the culture in our home just began to change. And so, um, I think that's such a good encouragement is that it's never hopeless and starting with little things and being consistent with those things. I mean, I, I think that has now, such a, a huge impact. There's a belief that needs to have, that can start. One of the things that, you know, so let's say, let's go back to the weight loss deal. I've got to believe that I can look different and I can lose weight. You know, I've got to believe it's possible before I can ever start. If I, if I'm, if I start with hopelessness, then I'm going to be very demotivated to do it. I'm going to go, you know, and why don't I just go eat some more ice cream? Cause this is never going to work. You know, <laughs> uh -huh. but so that's the first thing is it is God is a God of hope. He yes. is. Um, and, and um, even, you know, Romans 15, 13 says that, you know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the spirit. And so, you know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So we got to start there and just believe like you're saying that, that it can happen. And one of the ways you can encourage that belief is that uh, our kids, God has wired our kids for family. Mm. All right. Kids are, I mean, Nobody can deny that. Why do kids that their dad has never wanted anything to do with them want to go seek out their dad? Mm, mm -hmm. Because we are hardwired in our hearts for family. Yeah. And, and, and that's a tremendous responsibility as a parent, but it's also an encouragement to a parent because if God is hardwired for family and if and if our if we start to ch change in ways that are encouraging and are connective, guess what? Our kids want to respond. Yeah, and they, they're may and I don't care if they're three or if they're thirty three, they all want a good relationship with with their mom and dad, except when they're fifteen. Other than right. that, <laughs> that's so true. But 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 when they're in middle school, but. Yep. Uh, but no, I mean, even then, they really, it's just different. They're just going through puberty and hormones and everything yes. else. They just a whole get, hardwire. They turn sure. into three-year-olds again. But um, but but I mean, I, I just want to encourage parents with that is that, yes, it does take time, but also uh, your children want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't really say it, even if they don't really show it, deep down inside, they want to have a, a mom and dad. They, there may be a lot of safety to overcome. There may be a lot of trust issues that have been broken. But even with younger kids, I mean, sometimes you see that with seven-year-olds. They're terrified of their parents. Yeah. But but it can be broken. Yeah. And there is hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is where, um, you know, ministries like Crazy Cool Family and No Heart Left Behind come in is that, you know, I think after parents have 
you know, realized, hey, I need to, you know, something here needs to change. They maybe feel ill-equipped um, as to, you know, how or what to do. And that's really kind of where asking for help and looking for resources and stuff like that um, to help is, I mean, that that is the sign of a, a strong parent is being able to hum- humble yeah. yourself and ask for help. And so, as we wrap up, like one, what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you have so many rich and valuable resources. Like you said, we have, you have your book, which is awesome. Um, I know there's a ton of other resources, but if, if someone wanted to connect with, with you or the, the material that, uh, you have available, what, what would you encourage them to do? I love it. And and before I hit that, I want to go on the last part of what you said, because I think it's gold. And I want to make sure that a parent who's struggling with their family hears this message is that what you said was, is that parents have to decide one that they want to change believe is that what we talked about at yeah. first mm-hmm. and they have to learn there's mm-hmm. we have to learn just like if i'm going to walk with jesus i got to learn to be I, I can trust him as my savior but then i'm going to learn to be forgiving then i'm going to learn to be humble then i'm going to learn to be generous i'm going to learn to be there's things with relationships you need to learn yes and like i give the example a lot of you know a few years ago my boys came in they were solving a rubik's cube and yeah, everybody's seen a Rubik's cube, and you know I've seen like you know they've been around for many decades. I never knew how to solve a Rubik's cube, but I said I saw them solving it, and I said I want to solve a Rubik's cube. And then my boys are like, Dad, you'll never be able to do it, you know, whatever. I'm like, Okay, yes, I can. I can, you know. And when they become teachers, they're so condescending. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, they, but they said they said, Okay, we'll teach you. And they said it's all about these algorithms, Dad. It's all about these algorithms. You know, they kept using this word. I'm like, Okay, what are we back in eighth grade algebra? What's an algorithm? Well, and really, what it is was is that there are you know there are sequences, there are instructions you learn, a set of instructions, and, and to solve the cube, there's eight different algorithms. And so you look at the cube and you apply an algorithm. You look at the cube and then you go through one and you get it to a certain point, and then you go to the second one and the third one. And I'm like, that's it. That's what we do at Crazy Cool Family. We mm-hmm. show you the God-given algorithms. To, to be able to connect with your children and to connect everyone in your family. If you can think about it, first, you got to want it. I had to say, I want to go solve the Rubik's Cube. Then mm. they had to teach me the algorithms. Then I had to look at my cube and apply those because they apply differently based on where the cube is set up. And relationships are more complicated than Rubik's yes, Cube. Yes, of course. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. marriages, but um, as, as we all know, but I mean, yeah. but. So, um, and marriages and three-year-olds, it feels like, or, or marriages <laughs> and girls, maybe, I don't know. But, um, but, uh, but anyway, so that's, a, and that's what we do at Crazy Cool Families. We help, you have to have the desire, one, and then learn the algorithms to learn how to do it. And that's how we do it. And so you're asking how we do that. One way is, is that we have our book and, um, and, and it is, it, it was our, it was our very first attempt at saying, this is your guidebook mm-hmm. and our kids speak into it. It's really fun to read. It is a fun read. It definitely yeah, is. We've got uh, all of our, you know, our kids are in it and, uh, they, we like, you know, we'll say a situation and then look at it from everybody's perspective and things like that. So, um, then we also have a podcast and so the, the podcast is more, um, some people listen to every episode. Some people do topical things, but uh, we've been doing that for about five years. So lots of um, 
lots of different topics and things. It's very, I mean, it does like this. We do interviews and we do all kinds of different things with that. Um, I really like, so um, really as this podcast is coming out, we are coming out with some great materials that's not designed to even do better than that. One of the things we're coming out is a new workbook that is actually two workbooks. That'll be one for relationships and one for culture. Mm. And, um, and it's backed up by video courses. There's just a really, you know, and it's designed to take a parent and say that knows nothing about relationships and about family and things like that, and just drip it into you over time so that you can do it at your own, either you can do it in a small group, you can do it at your own pace, but a way that you can process this guidebook Mm-hmm. That, that really does take a while to learn. And so we just encourage you to go to our website, which is crazycoolfamily.com. And it's crazy cool family because some people say families and it's not, it's just right. our crazy the Y.com. <laughs> and just look on that website. There's a, there's going to be, there's a, a daily email there that you can get to your inbox where we'll just drip a drip a concept into you every day. You can listen to the audio. It's literally like a minute and a half a day mm-hmm. and uh, just things like that. So what I would recommend is go to the crazycoolfamily.com website and then just browse around and see what all is there. There's even, we sell t-shirts that have family on them and all <laughs> different kinds of things that are in there. There's all kinds of different materials, but, but the real deal is, is go to the website and really find the workbook the workbooks, because those will be the best way for you to get a comprehensive study of how to how to transform those family relationships. That's awesome. I love it. Well, I have just loved the heck out of this conversation with you today. And I just really appreciate your heart for, for parenting and for families. Um, yeah, I'm just so grateful that you were here to talk with us today. Yeah, thank you. And and if um, anybody, there's also ways to connect with us there. Just info at crazycoolfamily.com if people want to get anything and, and want to connect with us in any way. And uh, we love to um, go to churches and connect with them and help most churches, as we know, do, a, do an okay job at best of teaching family. And so we come alongside churches and do that. So if that's interesting to anybody for your small group or whatever, just get in touch with us at info at crazycoolfamily.com. And Lisa, just thanks for all the work you're doing to um, connect. You guys do such a great job of ministering to people directly. And so just super excited about what you guys are doing. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.